0: Blog Talk Radio. to thank you for listening however, wherever, whenever you listen to the show. It's always great to have you with us. We are very excited today to bring you 60 Minutes of Suspense Radio, kicking off with one of our good friends, and his latest book is out, Andrew Grant, going to be talking to us about False Friend, the second in his Cooper Devereaux Thriller series, and then we're going to be speaking with Tracy Weber. Uh, That's going to come in about a half hour, so make sure you stick around and... See what we got going on, we want to thank you all again for joining us We also want to uh, remind you all to check out Kensington Books And I just knocked my headset off Make sure you visit KensingtonBooks.com for more information on all their books And everything that they have going on Um, Great people, great books, so go check out KensingtonBooks.com Let's uh, jump right now into uh, Andrew and let's see what he's got going on So Andrew, thank you so much for coming on, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, John. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me on the show. It's always a pleasure. I really appreciate it.
0: Always a pleasure. We've had you on, I know, for at least the last three books, starting back with Run. Um, and we've been able to kind of now see that you're into your second book in your next series uh, False Friend, which is, you know, basically, which is not really the sequel, but book two after False Positive which came out last year, um, and the book is available now so people can go get it however they want to buy the book. Make sure you go listen to the interview first then go buy the book, or do it at the same time. <laughs> it's up to you. Um, so let's, let's, let's kind of go back here first, since it's only book two. We can kind of go back to false Positive to kind of give people a little base about exactly who Cooper Devereaux is and then kind of lead it into
1: false friend. So
0: let's kind of go back a little bit.
1: Yeah, because as you say, False Positive was the book where we first get to meet Cooper Devereaux, and um, there were really two things that I wanted to do with the the False series. You know, it's one of these where every book in the series is going to have the word false in the title as a kind of branding thing, and um, the idea with False Positive was uh, twofold. The first one was to introduce Cooper, and Cooper's a character I really, really enjoy writing about because he's really a very complicated guy, and a lot of that comes from that uh, there's a kind of key twist, there's a key reveal about Cooper's background, which comes out in False Positive. And I know this sounds sort of horribly hokey, but it was something that I dreamt. I had this, I had this dream. Of, I don't know if you've ever had this, John. You know where you wake up from a dream and you feel so kind of vividly as if you're still in the dream and as if you're in this sort of slightly altered yep. world? So I woke up and I'd had this dream where this thing that I put in the book is happening to Cooper. I, I dreamt that it had happened to me, and it, it just made me feel completely freaked out. So I tried to capture that as, as part of, well, really the central piece of the puzzle that, that makes up Cooper Devereaux and um, that, that comes out during during False Positive and the other thing that I wanted to do with the series was um, as you mentioned the, the other book run earlier that run was a standalone, which I did when I uh, in, in between my previous series and my new one and for the new series I was thinking about what to write and I got really fascinated in the whole sort of field of criminal psychology particularly the stuff that the FBI profile do. And I read an awful lot about it and found out as much as I could. But the thing with that is that there are, you know, from, you know, thinking back to Silence of the Lambs and Red Dragon, you know, there are so many books that, are, you know, brilliant books out there that feature profilers as heroes i thought i don't want to just follow in that exact same way but i want to try to find a way to use all of this fascinating material so what i decided to do was i'd make cooper the hero he is a police detective working the cases but the cases themselves are very much informed by a lot of the stuff that i discovered from researching the the fbi profilers so the the, the villain in um... false positive is you know has got what a very very particular agenda um, that isn't at all evident at the beginning and takes cooper a long time to uh, to figure out and it's the same kind of thing for false Friend, because um, what i wanted to do really was make it that you know it's, uh, it's hard to think of an appropriate word because you know you say villain or bad guy or whatever and sure. you know that's pretty that's pretty appropriate if it's somebody that's robbed a bank or or turned over a liquor store or something but the kind of people that cooper is trying to catch in these books they're doing horrible, horrible things, but not just because they're trying to steal somebody's money or avoid getting a real job. You know, These are very disturbed people who believe, not that they could do these things they believe that they must do them and i find that absolutely fascinating the idea that people can get out of bed in the morning and go about their day doing these utterly horrendous things that you know to us just you know every fiber in our being revolts against them but to these guys it makes absolute sense but it's the only thing that they can do and i'm fascinated by by what it is that goes on inside people's heads that makes them that way
0: yeah, I mean, you, you, you just see around in today's world and look at news stories, and, and you see news stories today, even if, even if it's not FBI kind of related, but you kind of see, you know, mother kills three children and this, that, and you just have to always wonder. It's the same kind of weird psyche, whatever snaps in their brain, whatever fractures it to create this kind of persona that people always look back and say, I never would have guessed that that would have ever happened. And that's kind of the same with, like you said, villains and bad guys that happen, and and that's kind of what you're trying to figure out. What's that
1: fracture? Yeah, exactly. What is it that, what's, what's happened to them, or, you know, was there a particular event in their life? Is there some misfortune that they happened that had such a massive impact on them? You know, it's trying to understand them as people, really, not just as, you know, crazy villains that do Titillating things, you know. It's, it's, it's trying to understand, you know, something is is deeply, upsettingly wrong with these people. So, so what is it that caused it? And, and you know, really, it, it's hard. To, maybe it's maybe it's a bad word to use, but you know, you almost end up feeling some sympathy for them because, you know, their 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 lives are ruined and they're driven to do these terrible things.
0: And and false friend, I mean, you know, you you start out here. You have an arsonist targeting schools, of course every parent's nightmare, and, you know, your son is just starting to leave school and go into college, and so it's kind of one of those surreal things. Like, I I mean, you know, with my daughters that had just gotten out of high school, you know, recently, not too long ago, and with all the school shootings, you just always kind of wonder, but now you have, um, you know, an arsonist fire. I mean, you still have destruction going on in schools. It's a tough thing for a parent to have to think about, and then you're going to have to write it as if it's happening to somebody else how was that experience for you, having to kind of balance that real
1: with fiction part? Yeah, it's very difficult because, um, you know, you mentioned the, the school arsons in, in False Friend, and of course with False Positive, you know, that started off with um, with a little boy going missing, which, you yeah. know, talk about a parent's nightmare, that's just horrendous. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, what, what, I, what I try to do really, starting with Run but in a slightly different way, is to... It, 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 the best way I can describe it is I'm, I'm looking to find a way into the story that people can um, can relate to. You know, because a lot of crime fiction, you have these incredibly high stakes. I mean, I've, I've done it myself. You have books with incredibly high stakes. You know, the world is going to end at midnight unless the, the unless the hero pulls the irons out of the fire, and that can be really, really exciting. But I think sometimes, as a reader, you know, and obviously all, all writers are readers first and foremost. Sometimes it can make it feel a little detached. You know, you're reading it and you're thinking, yeah, but what's it got to do with me? So when I did Run, I made a real conscious decision that I wanted the book to start off in a way that everybody, anyone that picks up that book can, can relate to. So with Run, the hero goes to work one morning thinking everything's fine and he gets fired and then his yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, he gets fired, then his wife leaves him and so on. So I mean everybody's had a bad day at work. So I figured that's something that's gonna mean something to people. And I kept going <clears throat> with that same basic idea, but with a twist for the, for the false series in that, as you pointed out, John, these are things that every, particularly every parent, but I think really everybody can, can understand what it would be like to, um, to lose your kid, for your kid to disappear, and you don't know the false positive, you don't know whether he's run away, you don't know if he's been kidnapped, you don't know if he's still alive even, so, you know, there's, there's some, some real tension there, I think, and again, with, with um, false friend, the idea that when your kids, you know, when your kids are tiny you're pretty much in control of them all the time you can absolutely wrap them in in cotton wool and make sure they're okay but as they grow and they go to 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 nursery school and and kindergarten and and grade school and high school each step they take they're that little bit further away from you and it's all you can do really is hope that you prepare them to to look after themselves exactly but if you've got something happening over and above that, like a maniac for who, for whatever reason, is setting fire to the schools, how can you possibly feel like your kids are safe in that situation? Right. Now, the one
0: thing that you kind of hear, well, that I hear from readers and I hear from fans um, in regards to, you know, authors is, you're, you, you had a series that started with even and died twice, and then you, it kind of, not really ended, but more harm than good, and then you did run your standalone, and now you jumped into your now your Cooper Devereaux series. So, fans kind of like, want to you know, kind of like, want to know, you know, what was the reasoning behind stopping the first series and then getting into the Cooper Devereaux series? Was it because you just you, you kind of came upon Cooper as a character that you really wanted to explore? Was it the you know was it the plot lines you know what was it that kind of made you decide to kind of now get in and, and
1: start with Cooper Devereaux as your series well um that's a good question and and the 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 the, the most important part of the answer is. But the reason that I, that I wanted to write series is because that's what I like to read. And um, as I was saying, you know, every, every writer is a reader first and foremost. And there's nothing I like better than the experience of, you know, you, you, you come to know a character and you like that character and you can't wait for the next installment to come out so you can kind of visit with them again and see what they've been up to and see what terrible trouble they've got themselves into and how they, how they got out of it. So I love reading series even better if you come across one that's you know you haven't heard of for some reason and you find it and there's ten or fifteen or twenty books in that series that you can that you can feast on. I love that. So that's what I want to try to, to, to do as a writer. And so as you say, I started with a series that um, featured a, a Royal Navy intelligence operative. He was a kind of 21st century James Bond type character, and I loved doing it. I had a great I had great fun doing it. As you said, there were three in that series, and I, I, in a way, I'd have liked to have and I still have—I have ideas for more of those. Um, there's been some interest um, in them for movies, which might change things. So um, I would ab- absolutely haven't, um, you know, drawn a line under that series. I'd like to think it's kind of—it's on hiatus rather than it's finished. Um, but what sure. happened was, um, it, it's really just one of the, the practicalities of, of, the, of the publishing industry and of, you know, do, of doing this, um, doing this for a living. You know, I've got to do what people will pay me to do to put put food on the table, and um, I came to a point where uh, I made a decision to switch from one publishing house to another, and. Um, these days, it's pretty, much, um, it's pretty unusual if you move house to move a series as well. People generally like you to start afresh. So what I did was I did run a, a standalone as a kind of line in the sand. And uh, it was an interesting experience for me because, I, as, as I said, I started out wanting to write a series and never really thought about writing standalones. And so when I, when I started writing Run, um, at first it felt very strange to me because I was in really unfamiliar territory. You know, that it was a different world I was creating and a different you know, set of rules I was playing with. But as I went along, I actually got to really enjoy it. It was really fun. Um, and because I made a decision with Ron to make the hero not a professional, not, you know, he's not an agent, he's not a detective, no one's ever shown him how to fire a gun or, you know, escape from a locked room, it was a real challenge to to deal with some of the situations because I realized there were some situations where if it had been my previous hero, David Trevelyan, he could have got out of it the problem, you know, with his, with one eye shot. But the regular mm-hmm. guy, how does he do it? You know, it really made me made me think. So I actually enjoyed doing the standalone so much that I almost Almost um, went to my editor and said, "Look, I know we said we'd start on a series again next, but what about some more standalones?" But in the end, as I said, just because I'd like reading series so much, I decided it, it made a lot more sense to continue. Uh, well, you know, start another series and then continue with that. So that's where the um, that's where the false series came from. So I'm hoping that it will. Uh, if people keep buying it, I hope it will keep going for a long time.
0: Absolutely. I mean, and I think that's what a lot of readers might not understand is that is the business behind the you know the publishing part. I mean, they think that authors can just sit down in front of their computer and blah 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 blah, blah type away, and bam, the book just kind of starts coming to you, and it's like.
1: Doesn't quite work that way. <laughs> I know it would be, be great if it would. And I, actually, that's one of the differences between writing your first book and then writing any other book, because right. um, one of the lovely things about writing your first book is that you don't know any of the rules. You know, You're, most most people have, have had. A job of some other kind before they start writing and so um they they've they've made a conscious decision that they want to change direction in their life and this is what they're going to do so they jump into it full of enthusiasm doing you know giving it absolutely their best shot but there's all kinds of things that once you get involved in the nitty-gritty of the business you know it turns out there's all these rules oh you can't do this and you shouldn't do that and you mustn't start a sentence like this and you can't have this much backstory at that point in the book and all of this stuff your first book you don't know that (laughs) and and likewise you know you're, you're generally speaking you're writing that book on spec you don't have a contract yet so you can write anything you want you're just hoping that what you write will strike a nerve with somebody, and they will want to put that book in print. So, um, you know, you write that first book, and you know, with me, it was Eve and featuring this guy, David Trevelyan, and um, I was fortunate that someone did want to publish it, but then, of course, they said, right, now we want another Trevelyan book, and we want it in 12 months. <laughs> that's you know, the difference. Yeah. <laughs> you got three years to write the first one, you got eight months to write number two. <laughs> exactly. So that's when, like you say, John, those realities of the business kick in, and um, you know, the, the, it's a very different experience. But you know,
0: in reading false positive and seeing false friend, and I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but it is on my list. I have so many books I gotta get through. But what I can tell is that this is like your comfort zone. You can tell that this is kind of where Andrew Grant the author falls. This is like you can just see that this is this is where you kind of belong, kind of in this in this realm, in this genre with FBI and, and how you're and how you're putting this
1: series together. Well, thank you, John. It's really nice of you to say. And I, you know, I, yeah. I, I, you know I, I do feel like um, I've, I've found my, my niche with this because, particularly False Friend, there, there, there are some changes between, you know, I'm interested in, in the structure of books, you know, not, not just the story, but how the story is told, and... Um, with with false positive, it, it pretty much started off going in, in one direction, and then you follow the, because at the beginning it's a police investigation, so you're following that investigation. There are a few kind of strange um, little sign, signposts thrown in that perhaps make you think, oh, well, looks like there might be something more to this than meets the eye, and then at a certain point it just completely changes direction and, and does something different. But with false friend, what I found when I was thinking about how I wanted the you know the main, as you, as you were saying before, the main story, because uh, of course it's set in Birmingham, Alabama. Once again, this is where the series is, is located. So when it right. when it begins, somebody's burning down schools in Birmingham. Um but as the, as the story proceeds, what you find out is there are actually three storylines in this book. There's there's the arson, which is the main one. There's another storyline which which derives from the arson because in one of the schools that's burnt down, there's a somewhat grisly discovery is made, which reveals a whole second crime that's, that's been taking place. Mm-hmm. And then there's also, you know, as we were saying before, some of the stuff that was revealed in False Positive about Cooper Davaro. Uh, he's got an extremely troubled background. And some, you know, he's, he's pretty successfully put that behind him, and he's remade his life as um, as this police detective. Um, in fact, there's, there's one thing that I, I kind of liked about it. There, there was um, there's a building in Birmingham called the City Federal Building that was that was remade. It started out as an office. It's a beautiful building, really iconic in the center of Birmingham, and it was completely remade. So Cooper made that his home because, you know, he, he, he completely remade his life, so he kind of and felt like the building was was a parallel to his life, in a way. So he's got this great, great new life going, but every now and again it's as if there are arms stretching out from the past and grabbing his ankles and trying to pull him back, and and something like that happens to him as well in in False Friends. So, um, you know, there's quite a lot going on in that book.
0: Um, Now, speaking of a lot going on, what one character, secondary character, did you create in this book? That you had a lot of fun with, that kind of maybe stole it all the spotlight that you didn't feel would, would do
1: that at the onset? Yeah, there, there, there's, um, there's definitely a character that fits that bill, and that is, um, that is Cooper's daughter. Um, during, during the course of the false positive, he discovers that he had a daughter, that he's a seven year old daughter, he didn't know anything about. Right. And he right. has to start to get to know her. And one of the themes that goes through the whole series, and it's something I'm, I'm, I've always been interested in, one of the themes is it's the kind of nature versus nurture debate. You know, the idea is if you yep. look at a person and, and their characteristics, how much of that is inherited from their parents, how much of it is kind of inevitable, and how much of it is under their own control. That's a big, big part of false positive. And, of course, with Cooper, with his troubled past, finding out that he has a daughter, it's not just a question of is Cooper's personality and behavior uh, con- uh, controlled by what he's inherited in his genes. What about the daughter? And I had a lot of fun throwing in little bits and pieces that uh, that Nicole, the, 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 uh, the seven-year-old, gets up to. So I hope you'll enjoy those.
0: Hmm. Um, now, when you're writing, kind of in this realm, and you know you have to get into the emotional level down to where. Uh, you know, people kind of feel the grief or they feel the pain, but then they feel the happy and they feel, you know, the uh, adulation of, you know, something good kind of happening. How difficult is it with the balance of trying to, and, and this, is, this is something that I've seen people struggle with in authors, is you have this happiness kind of thing that happens, even though there's still so much dismay for other characters, and you kind of have to try to balance those two forces kind of out when you're writing the book to make sure that the emotional level doesn't get too high and doesn't get too low. Do you kind of think of that consciously when you're writing or when you kind of go back and edit and and see how you've done,
1: do you make those changes kind of then? Well, that's a really good that's a really good question because that is one of the hardest things to get right, I think. And um I think that it's one of those it, anything like any sort of artistic thing, like writing, is a combination of um, kind of instinctive, intuitive stuff, and also of kind of analytical, uh, planning stuff. And I think that the part that you're talking about there, trying to maintain that emotional balance, for me, that's something that has to be done kind of intuitively. It has to be what feels right when you're writing a particular scene or a particular chapter because I think it comes over, or there's a tendency that it comes over as a bit stilted if you've kind of looked at in advance and said, right, well, by chapter 10, we're going to want a peak. And, you know, I, I, it I can't right. do it that way anyway. So what I do is I try almost to not think about it when I'm, when I'm writing the, the, the first draft of the book. I, I, I just sort of try to put myself... In the head and in the heart of, the, of each character in the scenes as they develop and describe that a bit like somebody once described it as a, being a bit like the a journalist recording what you see but, you know the scenes that you see in your head you know I, I try to I try to get that down on the page, and then when I, I try to let the book sit for a little while before I turn it in and then I have a chance to reread it with a slightly slightly more more distance on it, and then sort of try to read it as, as a as, as a reader and just say you know does it does it seem re, does it seem true is there a sort of emotional honesty to it is there an uh an, an instinctive honesty to it you know some, something has just happened to this character would they really be feeling this way would they really be doing these things you know to try to make sure that it you know you have this very strange if you think about it too much it drives you crazy this, this strange kind of contradiction in that you've got this thing that's completely made up and yet you want it to seem absolutely real so real. yeah I, yeah yeah <laughs> And, and, you know, as you were saying in your question, John, you know, what does real mean? There are so many different, different flavors of real, you know, in terms of, you know, authentic. You know, does it, does it seem like that's really Birmingham? Does it seem like that's really what a police detective does? Does it seem that's really what a father would feel? You know, all of those kind of things get, get thrown in there.
0: Yeah, because not only do you have to feel, like you said, like what a father would feel, but what would your father in the book feel like? Because some readers might be like, oh, there's no way that such, you know, that I would ever do it that way. Well, yeah, but that character would do it that way, and that's what keeps the realism
1: through the series throughout that you have to balance. Absolutely, and you, you know, you can, you know, depending on how um, sort of idiosyncratic your character is, the the kind of things oh. they do can, can be can be quite strange. And so, right. yeah, you have to have done a, a good enough job of, um, of of building up the the background to the character so that if you do get into one of those situations where they do something or or react in some way that a reader might think well hang on a minute I wouldn't do that or my dad wouldn't do that or whatever you're still going to believe that this character would and that really then becomes one of the things that you like about that character because um, you know it's nice to it's nice to have new experiences and meet new people and see things in a different way and that's something that you can that you can do in fiction
0: and book 3 is uh getting the works right now right
1: that's right yeah it's um you know again down to the you know the business of publishing I, I need to turn that book in on april 1st in order for it to hit the shelves um next january so uh, i've Amazing. actually just i've actually just come out of a of a kind of, of i locked myself away <laughs> literally for a week the, the bear and, hibernation uh, <laughs> absolutely yeah um I'm, uh, I'm actually in wyoming at the minute surrounded by snow <laughs> Oh, and uh, I, have, I, I have to drive back to Chicago today and tomorrow. So uh, there's a bit of a question mark as to uh, whether I will uh, actually manage to uh, get to the highway or not. But, yeah, I mean, I, 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 uh, the, the next one is called False Witness. And um, okay. the, 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 the way that False Witness begins is that, um, again, set in Birmingham. And the problem this time is that somebody is murdering women on their 21st birthdays. And leaving the Oh, going a, a little different way. route. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, uh, so we yeah, have you, to see what the significance of the 21st birthday is. It's not absolutely. just, oh, now you can drink, you die. It has to be something else. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, I like that drinking angle, actually. I might, I might so. <laughs> oh, now you can drink,
0: you die. <laughs> see? Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. we've got to be a little bit more emotional, I think, than that. But you know what? There are just crazy people out there that might think just that way. That's the scary there, part of the world, be, I
1: guess. There might be. And uh, indeed, now uh, you're heading
0: back to Chicago because you have an event, right? So people who might be in town and hear this, where can they see you uh,
1: going uh, in Chicago? Yeah, I'm at the, at the Cook Library in Libertyville on, uh, on Monday evening. So uh, there's full there's full details of that on their on their website. So um, if anybody is in the area and could could possibly get there, I would love to see you. Are you going to do a reading? Um, probably not a reading because um, I mean I, I do that if if people particularly want me to, but um, I always feel um, it's better to kind of talk about the book and talk about some of the decisions that I made when I was writing it and, and some of the background because for two reasons. One, you know. Everybody, everybody is probably better capable of reading it than me, um, particularly given I don't have a very good Southern American accent, and um, <laughs> um, you know, it, I, it, I just feel very self-conscious doing it, honestly. So um, Well, and the
0: one thing you know, and I like the explanation part because the one thing that we're doing, and I would love to post an excerpt of the book on our website, and the thing that I'm asking authors to do now is is that when they give me an excerpt, give me a paragraph setting up. The excerpt on so when people they can see the paragraph and they can get the understanding of what they're about to read instead of just throwing them into this thing and then they're not really sure. Okay, is this the beginning? Is this a middle part? Is this you know like where is this in relation to the book? And so I'm trying to ask an authors, hey, give me a paragraph, set this up, and you know it's kind of like setting up the trailer. So when people read this excerpt, they're going to know. This is the position in the book. This is what's going on. So I like that idea.
1: Yeah, it's good. That's great. Yeah, it's a little bit like um, you sometimes get on DVDs, isn't it? Where you have the special features sometimes, right. where you have the, the director or the, or the writer will be saying, you know, not just watch this scene, but, you know, when we were doing this scene, this is where it falls in the story, this is why it's important, this is why it was necessary for us to, well, this is what we were aiming to achieve for these reasons. And then, you know, it's really interesting then to, uh, to see, to just to, to approach something with that little bit extra background knowledge about, about um, what it was trying to do.
0: And so, Andrew, where's the best place for people to find all the information out about you? Is it just your website, andrewgrantbooks.com? Is that the best place?
1: Yeah, there's my website. I also have a page on Facebook, um, Andrew Grant Author, and, and I'm on Twitter as well as Andrew underscore Grant. Well, I'll
0: tell you what, Andrew, it's always a pleasure. Uh, I want to thank you, like always, of course, for coming on. We, you don't ever have to wait to you have a book come out. If you just want to come on and we just want to gab and talk about what's going on, you know, just... Send me an email and, and we'll get together on that. But I I know you got that deadline crunch until April, so you only got about a month and a half to go before uh you know, that book's gotta be
1: done. And then and then you gotta start thinking about book four.
0: So a life the yeah. author never ends.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, if somebody described it, it as pushing a boulder up to the top of a hill, you know, you you get it up there and then immediately it rolls down, and you've got to you've got to do it all exactly, over again. And you're like, but I got to
0: push it up again. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But it's I certainly, a, it's, I
1: wouldn't, I would never complain because, um, you know, I I absolutely love doing it, and I would love to come back on the show, John. So thank you very much. Yeah, It's like dig the hole, fill the hole, dig the hole, fill the hole. Dig the <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, give
0: Tasha our best and good luck and congratulations. Of course, you have a lot of things uh, going on in your real life as fatherhood. So, you know, we've had we've already been through that route uh, a couple times. So, it uh, it, it'll be okay. You know, I saw Tasha's post on Facebook and
1: she was a little upset. It's like it'll be okay. It's okay (laughs) to let him go. Yeah. It'll be fine. My my older daughter yeah. is already she's already uh, you know her right. third year at college. So yeah, she's she's doing fantastically. So you know we've we've at least been through it the once. So we we know we know what to expect.
0: Yeah, it's just tough when it's the last one. You're like, this is it. This is the last one. And then they're out of the house, and you're like, wait a second, are we alone?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't it's know I like when I see. It's like uh, the first house I bought, it was, it was a real fixer-upper, you know, and it took me about three years, you know, every evening, every weekend working on it. And I remember the first Saturday after I finished, I would just sat there in the living room, and I was just like, well, what, what, what do I do now? What do I do? You know, know <laughs> Cause the I thing know. that had taken up all my time had gone, so, you know, it's that same kind of experience.
0: Well, we want to thank you again for coming on. It is absolutely great, to, of course, to always speak with you and wish you nothing but the best with the latest book, False Friend. Can't wait to see book three. So stay in touch with us, Andrew, and have a good one. We'll talk later.
1: Will do. Thank you, John. All the best. Thank you.
0: All right. Bye-bye. So, again, everybody, that is author Andrew Grant, and his latest book is called False Friend. It is the second in the Cooper Devereaux series. It is available now. You can go to Amazon and pick it up. Uh, Kindle hardcover. However, you want to read it, you can get the book right now and and start reading it. If you haven't been into the series, make sure you go back and check out the first one, False Friend or False Positive. My fault. And um, and get in line here with Cooper Devereux, Like we said, you know, whenever you sit around and you say, "Gosh, I have nothing to read," here you go, Andrew Grant, author right there. You can go back and read a standalone run. Check out his other series also. So. We want to thank Andrew for coming on. It's always great to speak with him. We were waiting here for um, Tracy Weber to get on, and we're not sure. We're going to see if we can find out what's going on with that. So in the meantime, take a quick listen to this. We'll be right back. here after the break. Um, I believe that Tracy is not going to be able to make it on, which is, you know, which is okay. We're just going to go kind of end the show a little early and we'll figure it out. We'll get Tracy back on because we've had Tracy on before with, um, with her books, the Downward Dog Mystery Series, Murder Strikes Opposed, Killer Retreat. We we're going to talk about a fatal twist, um, but if you have any questions, you can always go to tracyweberauthor.com. They're really cute, uh, cozy mysteries. And have a little yoga involved and have a great little mystery involved. So we'll find out what's kind of going on there and we'll get her back on. But like always, we want to thank Andrew for coming on. It has been wonderful to be able to, you know, speak with him and um, see what he's going on with his next series. It's always great to, uh, you know, talk to a good friend and, and see what they have going on. So in the meantime, everybody, we always like to say, you know, keep reading, check out the show. And if you have any questions, you can email us at Radio at We'll be back here, I believe, March – oh, let me see. Uh, we got Beyond the Cover coming up on the 28th, and I believe our next show – look, I can't even find the freaking calendar. You have all these phones and all this technology, and then you get lost in it. Uh, March 25th, we're going to have Brad Parks, Anthony Frazee, and Dale Wiley. So we're going to have some great guests on for that one. So stay tuned, everybody, and we will see you with Beyond the Cover on Tuesday night. And again, keep reading, enjoy, see you next time.